Welcome to another episode of the Triple F Podcast. Joining me today is returning guest Derek Iwanaka, Investor Relations of First Mining Finance. Derek, it's good to have you back with us again. Hi, Jay. Thanks for having me back on. Derek, the last time we spoke, we were in what I would describe the depths of the bear market in terms of commodity pricing. It really hasn't been that long since we last talked, but you know, ever since that time, it seems like we've witnessed a very drastic rally to the upside. Um, how have things progressed in your views as somebody who works inside the industry and is around this on a daily basis? Well, I think since last we spoke, uh, the gold price has probably risen at least 200 if not $250. So we might have timed the absolute bottom there in, in uh, December of last year. And um, what we're seeing is senior producers, cash flowing companies, royalty companies, uh, intermediate producers, uh, for the most part, they've either doubled or tripled in that time. And we're also finding that uh, even some of the junior producers are uh, really getting significant lifts in their share prices. And um, But what what is actually quite interesting is that some of the juniors have, of course, uh, been, been lifted. But I've noticed that some of the companies, in particular some of the ones that we've targeted, uh, have actually not really risen significantly. And I think... The reason for that is probably because some of these companies are either unable to find financing or the investors or the market understands that if these companies even could finance, it'd be extremely uh, difficult and dilutive. In in other words, there's going to have to be millions of shares issued and likely millions of warrants issued as well, which would be significantly uh, dilutive to these companies. So. Um, obviously, some of the companies have, have, have risen, even the juniors have risen in the last few months, but thankfully, I guess some of the, the targets that we're uh, looking at haven't risen significantly. And First Mining is a company that's you know always on the lookout for the next deal. Could you briefly go back and just take us back to the last time we spoke, you were in the process of closing the Gold Rush acquisition, and you had mentioned that you guys were targeting an- another acquisition target. Could you briefly just kind of summarize what's happened with those deals since? Yeah, so I think since last we spoke, we had just announced the Gold Rush acquisition, which, which was essentially a cashed-up shell company. Uh, when we had reached out to them, uh, they had around $4 million in cash, and they had searched for a project for the last year or two. They're unable to find anything that actually made sense and was of value for their shareholders. In that, you know, 3 or $4 million, if you acquire something, that doesn't give you virtually any money left over to conduct expiration work. So their, their shareholders quickly understood, and their management quickly understood that it was better to go with a company that actually had better exposure to more projects, was more diversified, had good trading liquidity, had a terrific management team. And uh, so when, when we spoke with them, uh, they, were, they were happy to do the deal. And what was interesting was that that company had held their money all in U.S. dollars. And uh, we announced that in November 24th, and when we closed the acquisition on January 7th, the U.S. dollar had strengthened so significantly during that time that actually the exchange rate uh, difference between just November and January paid for the entire cost of the acquisition. So all the legal fees, all the closing fees were completely covered. 
by just the change in the, uh, the exchange rate in just a couple of months. So it was a terrific financing for us. There was no warrants. Uh, the Gold Rush uh, management team was, I would say, uh, very respectable in that they had no change of control. They had no options. They didn't ask for um, a big payout or, or a golden parachute to leave. They did it on behalf of their shareholders. And, and that was, you know, that's kind of a pleasant or refreshing change for this uh, market was to see a, a really honorable management team. And um, so it was a terrific acquisition for us. And it essentially, it was a financing which brought in uh, about $3.5 million. Seems to be very good timing on your part. Can you also comment on the Clifton Star Resources deal? So immediately after that, well, I'd say, sorry, about a month after that, we announced on yet another acquisition called Clifton Star uh, Resources. And uh, that company, when, it was a, when we announced the acquisition, that is just around when gold was uh, spiking up. And when we had started negotiating with that company, our stock was around 35 or 36 cents uh, per share. That's Canadian dollars. And uh, when we actually announced the acquisition, we had risen up to about 42 and a half cents uh, Canadian. And, and so it looked like the deal may have been a little bit overinflated and, and was priced when we actually announced it was about $20 million or 20 and a half million dollars. Uh, we're really, we probably should have been somewhere around uh, 17, 18 million dollars. Um, but nevertheless, the company should net us around 11 or 12 million dollars in cash. It also nets us about 900,000 ounces of gold, mostly measured and indicated and some inferred. And it gets a toehold into the Abitibi uh, gold belt in the Quebec. Would you say with the Clifton Star deal, in a way similar to the Gold Rush acquisition, where you were focused on a company that was especially cash strong, or was it also, you know, there was a lot of interest in the actual assets that this company held? I would say that the first priority was was really the, the cash. Bringing in twelve million dollars in cash was uh, terrific. I mean, if if you have twelve million you net in cash. And you have about 900,000 ounces, close to a million ounces. We're valuing those ounces essentially at about $4 an ounce. So um, it's a cheap acquisition in terms of ounces. It gets us a bunch of cash. And like I said, it, it's a really a toehold uh, or a strategic move to get us into the Abitibi Gold Belt. And um, almost immediately after we struck that deal, less than a month later, we announced that we're acquiring the pit gold property from Brian or uh, resources and they have a property that's right adjacent to uh, the Clifton star properties with these properties is it the exploration potential uh, do you see a lot of upside there or are the ounces in the ground more or less ready to go kind of like I know if you're a Hope Brook project you know it, it had a resource done and it's already economical at today's low gold prices does the same apply to the the most recent deals uh, the, the ounces, I think, were decent for Duparquet and Duquesne, but um, the Duparquet property in particular, we only are acquiring a 10% interest in it. Uh, in total, the property there uh, in NI43101 compliancy has about 3 million ounces of gold. So uh, we're only acquiring essentially about half a million of those ounces. So we're working with the uh, private families that, that own the other 90% of that Duparquet project. And if we can acquire that uh, decent um, price, you know, essentially we could add another 2.5 million ounces of gold in that area. And in addition, there are some other properties that are very close uh, proximity to Duquesne and Duparquet, which we're negotiating with right now to acquire. And um, 
if we can acquire those, we could add another million to a million and a half ounces. So, you know, in that area alone, we could have uh, in excess of four or five million ounces if we were able to acquire the rest of the ground. What gold price do you need for these projects to work, or do they already work at today's prices? Uh, these ones will be a little bit higher, and that's why, partially why we actually were only valuing them at about $4 an ounce. These ounces, I wouldn't say, are, are maybe as uh, high quality as, as Hopebrook or, or Spring Pole, but nevertheless, they, they are still good ounces. Uh, it is a known gold belt, and it really gets a toehold into an area that we, we think has a lot of room for expansion. What's your outlook for 2016 now that you have these assets under your belt and you guys are relatively well positioned, you guys are cash strong now, um, where do you go from here? So uh, in about a month's time we should close the Clifton Star transaction and, and likely the Brian Orr one. Uh, that will take us up to very close to a total of 9 million ounces of gold equivalent uh, amongst six projects. And um, it also means we're probably going to have close to around $14 million. And we're going to be coming right up to our one-year anniversary. We started trading on the TSX Venture Exchange on April 6, 2015. Uh, if you look back and just compare the company from now and then, uh, back then we had zero ounces of gold in the ground. We had about $6 million uh, in cash. And now we have close to 9 million ounces of gold in gold equivalent and close to $14 million in cash. So uh, our, and our market cap has gone from around $35 million uh, to now close to, well, once we close these, these acquisitions, I suspect that pro forma we should be around 150 or $155 million market cap. So, yeah, we've, we've progressed a lot in one year's time. With the changing landscape in the market and market sentiment, you know, now favorable to mining and, and gold, um, would you say that's had any kind of impact with your ability to negotiate and work deals with these gold companies? Uh, it, it has yet to really impact our, our ability. In fact, um, you know, one company that we're speaking with right now is actually a private company. And it's, uh, it's quite interesting because because they're a private company, and they've watched the gold price rise in the last couple months, and yet they don't have a share price that trades, so they haven't actually got to benefit from the rising gold price. And so that, I think, prompted them to be even more proactive about uh, striking a deal with another company. So that's that's one just one of a few acquisitions that we're working on. Um, you know, if that one works out, it'd be terrific for us, and I think for their shareholders as well. So, um, you know, we, just before the show started, uh, we were discussing that, you know, is this going to make it tougher for us to make acquisitions? And, and thankfully, the targets that we're speaking with right now, their share prices haven't got a great lift. They're not like some of the senior producers or, or even the junior producers that have doubled or tripled over the last couple of months. Um, these companies may have seen, you know, 15, 20% moves in their stock, but I mean, that's just coming from multi-year lows so to go from a multi-year low to another 15 20 or 30 percent is actually not that significant and um so actually i haven't found that it's it's growing more difficult but what i think the rise in gold price has done is it, it's the, the time or the, the stopwatch is now clicking uh, or ticking and um, the window of opportunity to buy cheap assets is potentially closing right now 
but it, it you know the, the the gold price just went down what twenty dollars yesterday so um it's not closing super rapidly but but certainly the, the time is ticking how would you explain the response of the gold companies so far during this rally as you mentioned, the majors have sort of led the way, and I think historically that's what they do as well. But what do you say to an investor, for instance, if they're invested in a junior company that has solid assets and that stock really hasn't moved yet? What, what do you think is the main reason why the majors have, to some degree, outperformed some of the other juniors so drastically? I think that the, the market is already factoring and discounting that many of these juniors have been... Uh, down in the dumps essentially for the last three or four years, some, some of them for five years, and uh, they've just been hanging on by a thread, and now that there's uh, some light at the end of the tunnel and the gold price is rising, I think the market already realizes that they're going to have to come um, to, to market and try to raise cash. And even though their share prices may have gone up 15, 20, 30 percent from, from a multi, maybe three or four year low, uh, that's still going to be extremely diluted for them to raise additional funds. And so the market realizes that, and I think they're already discounting these companies. So I found that the juniors have certainly not got the rise that the uh, producers have. Any of the companies that were really higher cost or marginal, they, they've gotten the best lift out of the rising gold and silver prices or, or and other base metals. Although um, I've noticed that you know silver in particular and 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 nickel haven't really risen that significantly. It's, it's mostly been gold. In the sector, now that there's you know this kind of uh, positive sentiment that's starting to build in, we've noticed a lot of acquisitions, uh, mergers as well with, for example, Endeavor Mining acquiring True Gold. I think uh, Silver Standard acquired uh, Cloud Resources. Um, mm -hmm. With these mergers and acquisitions now starting to pop up on the scene again, have you heard any kind of chatter uh, in regards to your own portfolio of projects? Yeah, you know, we, we've actually been approached by at least three or four companies uh, interested in our Pickle Crow asset in, in northwestern Ontario. And, um, you know, that's, that's a property that has about 1.3 million ounces of gold, averaging about four grams per ton. So it's a, a nice high-grade uh, underground operation or it would be and um, we're finding that quite a number of companies that are cashed up are actually looking to try to acquire that or, or joint venture it out with us um, but but in our opinion it's not the time to be joint venturing or monetizing these assets this is I think it's just a start of a, or early part of the upward cycle it's not the time to be monetizing these things. So we are getting interest, even even for Springpool. We've we've seen some interest in this project uh, by a couple parties now, and um, I don't think that we're going to move forward with any of these deals. But um, it is interesting to see that even just a couple hundred dollar difference has all of a sudden spurred a whole bunch of interest for our portfolio of assets. Derek, there definitely is a lot of speculation that's running rampant right now. Based off of what you know and you know, working with people in the industry, do you think that the bear market is now officially over, or could this possibly be one of those fake-outs like the one we experienced last October to November? Yeah, you know, that's been a common theme at a couple of the conferences that we've been to. Is this the start of a new big bull run? Is it going to be another super cycle? Um, or is this just, yeah, just like you said, is this another head fake or is this a false start? And um, 
you know, I, I actually do think that it is probably the start of a new cycle. But, uh, you know, what, what typically happened is, you know, around May is, is when things start to tail off. And um, gold price, you know, I think is still hanging in there quite, quite well. But what tends to happen is the summertime does tend to uh, soften up for, for stocks and, and quite likely for the gold price. And, you know, I, I guess I'm biased because we'd still like to continue to make some really cheap acquisitions. And I think that we can. So, um, you know, it, it kind of work in our favor in some respects if, if gold price were to come down just a little longer in order for us to make a few more acquisitions. And then, of course, we'd like to see it rise. But, but when it rises... It's much, I'd say, uh, safer to see a more consecutive um, rise versus a really abrupt and sharp rise like we've kind of seen in the last couple months. As a buyer, I can totally understand the point of view where you're coming from. Um, it's funny, the other day I, I read an article and I think they mentioned something called the PDAC curse, uh, which typically uh, takes effect around this time of year after the conference. And like you mentioned, the summer doldrums usually kind of slows down gold's progress quite a bit. Um, for the folks who are just getting interested in the sector now, maybe for the first time ever, and I've definitely uh, encountered, you know, even amongst my own friends and family, people that are starting to gain a lot of interest in the sector. What would you say for someone who's new at the space? How how do they siphon through all these different companies, and how do they pick um, the ones that are gonna do very well, uh, you know, over the course of a few years? Well, I, I guess we kind of do some of that work for for the investor because in the last 10, 11 months, almost now, we've acquired five companies. Uh, what used to be five companies out there that were single asset companies, uh, they had, say, one flagship property that they were trying to move forward. We've gone in, we've had the technical team that have uh, assessed these properties, have validated them, and have since acquired them. And so what we I think we've done is we've, we've actually done the homework for some of the investors by, by looking into these assets. Uh, in great detail. I mean, going through all their drill data, going through their resource um, uh, analysis, and, and actually for us to determine whether it actually holds up and found out that they do work out, then um, I think that we've done a lot of the, the homework or the due diligence for, for the investors. That's not to say you shouldn't continue to do more due diligence. There is always more to be done, and, and there's always, um, you know, there, there's always risks due to do with the uh, the commodity prices but i think that we've done some of the homework at least for for investors by looking into the assets by acquiring good assets and um we're going to keep on doing that i think we're trying to try to get up to around 15 million ounces of gold this year and um you know ultimately we'd like to really get up to around 20 million ounces of gold or gold equivalent and somebody was asking me, you know, what, what would you do if gold goes up to, you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars and all of a sudden you can't make these gold acquisitions or cheap gold acquisitions? And then the answer is quite likely some of the other commodities may not appreciate like gold that will. And so we could move on to something like zinc or silver or copper or lead. Um, platinum, palladium, something that hasn't moved, I think that we could actually uh, diversify ourselves into. But right now we see the most benefit or the most upside in, in gold. And so that's what we focused on. Derek, those are some pretty ambitious goals. And I wish you guys the best of luck this year. 
in achieving them. Uh, you make a really good point as well in regards to overall commodities. It is true that gold has kind of led the way thus far, but a lot of the base metals really haven't recovered on par, so there might still yet be many opportunities. Um, with that said, um, are there any final words you'd like to leave with readers? If you could share maybe some of your top picks in the sector, maybe outside of first mining. Uh, last we spoke, I think we were, I was particularly focused on my, my former uh, comrades at uh, B2 Gold. And um, I think when we were speaking, they're around 90 cents uh, Canadian. And I picked up some shares myself around that area and they've, now moved up to around two dollars and two dollars and ten cents Canadian, so it's it's more than doubled uh, in just a couple months. So I'm I'm really happy with that one. Um, last we spoke, I also talked about a, a company called Energy Fuels, which I'd also worked with, and um, you know they haven't actually seen a rise, and and uranium itself hasn't seen a rise, but it, it's one of the most beat up, most hated commodities out there. And uh, I think it's due for a comeback uh, based on fundamentals. And um, so, yeah, Energy Fuels is, is, is a company that I, I really like too. Derek, it seems like every time I talk to you, you give me a pick and then it immediately goes up 50 or 60%. I'm just uh, dying for you to give me one additional pick. Um, <laughs> the, the other one actually we didn't talk about was actually First Majestic Silver. And um, I think around that time, it was probably around $3 a, a share Canadian. And now, it, it, I think just this week, it hit up to $9 a, a share. So, um, you know, I wish I had taken my own advice and, and, and bought that one. You know, there's, there's still some room for that one. I, and like I said, silver is one of those commodities that hasn't actually appreciated, especially in, uh, in context of the historical ratio between the, 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 the gold price and the, and the silver price. So... Silver probably has a ways to go, and, and if, it, if it does move up, then First Majestic is sure to follow. That is a, a great play in, in the silver space, and I, I don't have any shares myself, but I do have friends and, and family that own shares, and they are just ecstatic right now with the gains. I think uh, one person's up even over 100% since it bottomed out. I think um, the U.S. price was below 250 a share, so it's it's done phenomenal already in this early well, stage I like, recovery. I, mean, I, I work out of the first Majestic Silver office and I know how hard the, the, their team works there and I know the hours that they put in and what they've done to cut their costs and to get themselves, uh, their finances uh, were, were just recently reorganized for their debt. And uh, I know that they've done a lot of work to really turn that ship around and uh, so you know, kudos to them. They've done a great job and, and their share price is really appreciating for it. Derek, if anyone wants to learn more about First Mining Finance, how can they do so? Uh, well, I would suggest that they just give me a call um, or you, you go to our website. It's uh, www.firstminingfinance.com. There's plenty of information on there. My contact information is on there as well. Did you want to leave your number for anyone who wants to learn more? Sure. Uh, direct, they can reach me at 604-639-8824. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. It's uh, just at First Mining. And um, I'd be happy to speak with anybody who, who's interested in our company. Derek Iwanaka, thank you so much for your time. Oh, Jay, thank you for your time.